There have been a lot of pitfalls. There have been a lot of bumps on this journey. And I am just barely scratching the surface in asset management. But yes, the biggest thing I would say is don't be afraid to confront the elephant in the room. Don't be afraid to confront the problems that you have. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome, everyone. This is Socket Jane again, your host. And I have today the honor of bringing to you my very good friend and a business partner again, Sandhya Sashadri. Sandhya, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so thrilled that you're starting your own podcast and your title is so intriguing. I can't wait to get into it some more with you. I love that. Sunday, on that note, why don't you tell people who you are? What do you do? What are you all about? I don't know. It's like one of those songs, you know, I'm a mom, (laughs) (laughs) right? I'm a mom first. I'm also a wife. I'm also a business professional. I'm also a PTA mom, right? I'm also a volunteer and I'm also an entrepreneur. And you forgot one, you're an excellent mentor. Well, thank you for that. Um, You're an excellent um, mentor. Officially and unofficially mentored a few people. So that's an exciting journey. So I'm very glad to see you reach new heights and things that I haven't done yet. I remember that trip to Dallas and the breakfast or lunch we had at First Watch. That got me started. That's awesome. awesome. Thank you. Yeah. No, thank you again for being on this show. I really respect what you do and who you are. Starting off here, we talked briefly a little bit about what the show is all about, but I try to take a chance to remind the listeners about what is what is the show about. So mm-hmm. the show is Migrate to Wealth. The most important word is not wealth. The most important word in the show is about migrate, right? Which is all about transformation. It's about change. And mm-hmm. the philosophy is change is going to happen. Life's going to change for us, without us, with us. Uh, so how can we make that change more intentional? So on that note, we would love to hear your journey and your life transformational migration um, story that if you look back, that defined who you are today. So the biggest and most recent transformation for me is to go from being a stock exchange investor, very much into trading stocks and also being a PTA volunteer mom into the real estate world. I have always wanted to get into real estate because, Mm -hmm. you know, 90% of millionaires do so through real estate, but I never considered myself to be a very handy person to do, you know, fix and flips or manage a single family rental property where I could get a call on a Thanksgiving day to fix a leaky toilet. That was my worst nightmare. Whenever I underwrote the numbers for a single family rental, you know, I have to take a recourse loan, sign a mortgage, and then I might make a few hundred dollars a month. So it wasn't appealing to me because I could easily earn that money on my own without having to own a single family and all the hassles associated with it. So when I heard about apartment investing, where we go and buy large scale apartments, that makes a lot of sense to me. So I attended a weekend event and immediately decided that that's what I wanted to do. And it was very scary for me because I paid a large sum of money into a mentoring program. And I had never spent that kind of money before in my life on my own education, because every time I got a degree, somebody else paid for it. Like I had a scholarship or my company paid for me to get educated. So it was quite terrifying to do that. But as soon as I did it, it sort of lit a fire. And that's what got me into, you know, investing in apartments. I quickly did a few passive investments and got onto the active side because I was like, I got to get my money's worth. How could I possibly sink this kind of money when There's I have a no family? better motivation than no, money, right? Yeah. 
that was pretty scary and motivational. So that transformed me. And I realized that so much of my project management experience from my previous life, as well as the heart of a PTA mom who wants to keep serving people, both came very well together in this apartment investing journey. So the community aspect of it is really my favorite part. So Mm. you go in there and it's the concept of leave a place better than when you found it. So you want to build communities and improve these apartments because this could be the forever home for all of those residents, right? So you've got to give them a clean, comfortable, affordable place. So it was really a good, feel-good kind of business. So Mm -hmm. it's still a business. I'm not trying to say there's no interest in the wealth. That's definitely a big piece of it. But, you know, as you use your brain to do all of the underwriting and financial analysis, you realize that you can also keep your heart happy by doing Mm -hmm. good. And, you know, it all comes together really well in this business. So that's who I am today from a professional standpoint as a business owner who's also able to give back to the communities. I love that story. There's wealth of information in there, right? So let's let's go back to the time where where you talked about you were an active trader, right? You were spending, mm-hmm. and you're fairly good. I know I know. We, you and I have talked mm-hmm. length at it. You're fairly good at it. Um, not just well. the luck. You study well everything, like anything else you do. You study fairly mm-hmm. well, and you're good at it. So what made you shift from the stock market to that you want to do something different? And then we'll talk a little bit more about your interest in real estate as well. So help us, take us back to the time where you're thinking, I need to do something different. I needed to get into real estate. That was number one. I also always wanted to have a business and find a place where I can get some tax advantages because my husband has a W-2 and then I was doing fairly well in the stock market and we had no tax write-offs, no tax advantages. You could pretty much plug all your numbers into a TurboTax and it'll spit out saying how much taxes you have to pay each time. And I have all these business owner friends, real estate friends, et cetera, who all have all these tax write-offs. And I'll say, how do you do that? Why is it that in all these decades I've lived here, I've never cracked this tax code and taken advantage of that. And so when I heard that real estate could do that as one of the vehicles, I had to dig in into it. So this is what I tell myself and I tell friends too is, Whenever you're curious about something, right, give yourself a deadline, right? Say in 30 days or 60 days, I've got to figure this out. I've got to get all my 15 or 20 questions answered about it Mm -hmm. so that then I can make an informed decision. Yeah, this is for me or no, this is not for me. Just like when I looked at, you know, flipping houses or owning a single family rental property that so many of my friends seem to be happy doing. I was like, okay, for me to do that, it takes this much time, this much risk. And I don't know if that's worth my time to have such a little value, right? Same way with multifamily, it seemed like, oh, that's actually a good thing. This is actually less risk if I go with a mentoring program where they teach me everything and Mm -hmm. I can partner with people with experience and learn it before I go solo on my own, right? Yeah, no, I love that. I love that because I think like a lot of of successful immigrants, and you were one of that, tax is the biggest problem, right? Mm -hmm. Taxes, we all make good money. Mm-hmm. Um, and really the only tax haven that we have left is 401k um, yeah. or home deduction or stuff, very minimal stuff, very basic stuff. But there's a whole world out there, even for W-2 employees, where you could use the tax deduction towards your advantage. And at mm-hmm. that point, you're partnering with the government. Would you agree? 
Yes, you pretty much are. The government gives you incentives to do things that they are unable to do. That's what people don't realize. They think if you're like when I was an outsider, I was like, hmm, how come some people are being favored over others in this? This is an unfair system until I studied it some more in depth. And I was like, okay, the government can't come into every city and run every apartment complex Mm -hmm. because I know how that would end up. Right. Right. So it's much better to give incentives, whether it's to businesses who bring more jobs into that city or to people like us who run apartments because we can provide nice clean safe comfortable affordable housing Mm -hmm. at a reasonable price that is you know comparable to the median household income there so we are providing a service and yes it's much like you know going to a steakhouse you can't go to a steakhouse every day this is also a business so Mm -hmm. if what you can really afford is mcdonald's or making food at your own home mine's more of the affordable end of those apartment complexes right. mine's not the steakhouse but you know you can afford it then that's great this is a great place for you to stay so let's talk about more than that right you met me when i was mm-hmm. new right the biggest question always is it's too big to have a 100 unit 200 unit 300 400 unit apartments and now that's i don't even look anything below 100 200 units Right. right. So help me understand your perspective and you were going through it, especially with you. You're one of the very few ones who had never had a single family rental portfolio. That's uh, right. And then you directly jumped into the multifamily, right? Usually people are like, I tried buying one, then I thought it was scaling was hard. And then I moved into multifamily and I would never go back. But you actually jumped into the big wigs, bigger games right away. So -hmm. help us understand that a fear that your mental process And how did you overcome it? So for me, the biggest fear was if I'm going to involve other people's money, I need to make sure this definitely works. There are no, I can't take chances when it's other people's money. Most single family rentals are your own money. And for me, the fear in that was my time will be completely eaten away and I would lose money. With multifamily, the biggest fear is, okay, it's such a large apartment complex. You're Mm -hmm. talking 10, 15, 20 million dollars kind of purchases. Okay, that's definitely going to involve other people's money. I don't right. definitely don't have that kind of money. So you got to put 20 to 30% down. So you're talking maybe five or six million dollars and up that you're going to raise from other investors. So mm-hmm. different investors put money together like 50K, 100K, et cetera. So my biggest fear was how can I make this apartment complex actually profitable? Right. And so that starts with education and mentorship multifamily is a team sport this is not something you do by yourself like buying the house down the street and renting it out this is not like that maybe you know how to fix a couple of things or you have a really good handy person friend this is much more large scale this is uh, so you want to employ third-party property management company and Mm -hmm. you want to partner with people with experience who've operated deals before so i got over my fear by being among groups of people who did this so being part of a mentoring program there were hundreds of people who did exactly this right Right. so you got to surround yourself with people who are doing what you want to be doing if you surround yourself with people just like what i was which is w2 jobs and stock trader kind of people none of them have really owned a large apartment complex so they're going to tell me don't do it it's too scary (laughs) because it's the unknown for them so for me the unknown becomes known with first education and surrounding yourself with people who are doing what you want to do and in my case my first deal i partnered with very experienced people 
who had already done several single family and then moved into multifamily and were running properties on their own. And the right. way I added value to them was I was local to Dallas where I've lived for 32 years. So I really know my local area and they were out of state hoping to get into their first deals in Texas and specifically right. in Dallas. It was a market of interest to them. So we could offer some kind of value to each other. Mm -hmm. And I was willing to do all the running around and do the work so that they wouldn't have to travel quite so often to check on the property. Yeah. And that's how I got over my fear. And that deal did very well. I only did one deal for my entire, I think, first 14, 15 months yeah. and got over the hump of that. And then I was like, okay, now this actually works. So everything I read in theory in a book came to life, right? right. All the right. modules I watched, it actually, oh, this actually works. This actually happens. This is not just fictional stuff, you know, like right. in the movies. So when yeah. I saw reality actually happen, it builds your confidence. And in parallel, I also had several passive investments. So passive mm -hmm. investment is like, oh, I'm afraid to fly on a plane. <clears throat> well, let's buy a ticket. Let's be a passenger on a plane. Right. Somebody else is the pilot. And oh, I landed safely in my destination. This is not bad, right? I Together. love that analogy. I've never right? heard that before. I love that. I actually love that. Right. It's the same thing. So if you have a fear of flying and you go on a first flight and you go yeah. as a passenger, it's fine. And then you say, OK, one day I want to fly a plane. Well, then you take the flying lessons. You always fly with a pilot who already knows what they're doing as a co-pilot. Right. You take yeah. weeks and weeks of lessons and then you're 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 the lead pilot who is flying the plane and you bring on co-pilots. So I'm that. sort of in that stage now. So I was that little frightened passenger first and then I was the <laughs> bold, confident passenger yeah. and then I was the active passenger listening very closely to everything the pilot was saying Correct. and then I became the co-pilot and then the pilot yeah it's so kind of journey so I think I love yeah. that journey right because yeah. you your journey was from being a passive investor to being an active passive investor to now being an active and passive investor yeah uh, it's an amazing journey right and I think to to kudos to you of course Thank you're you. one of the most decisive person I've ever talked to oh. so I love that story uh, a lot to learn from you, but in terms of you know your journey now, you're at a point, you are the asset management queen, right? From the I journey from a journey from, well, you're too humble. You're too humble to that. Um, I mean, I, I would invest in any of your deal with eyes closed, so I know that for sure. Um, well, and the only reason is not because you find good deals, because I really think you do. That's a very important mm -hmm. thing. But a good asset manager can take a bad deal and turn that into a gold. And a bad asset manager could turn a gold and turn into coal, right? <laughs> so it's all about running that business because from my perspective, and I would love to hear your thoughts on that, apartment purchase is not a real estate purchase. It's a business. It's a and business. you got to run it like a business and not yep. everyone can run a business. Some people are good at being an employee. Some people are good at being a business operator. That's not That's a transferable right. skill. So talk to me your perspective on that. So there have been a lot of pitfalls. There have been a lot of bumps on this journey. And uh, I am just barely scratching the surface in asset management. But yes, the biggest thing I would say is don't be afraid to confront the elephant in the room. Don't be afraid to confront the problems that you have. For example, you're an investor in one of my properties. Yeah. We had to fire the property management company that we hired, right? right? They were fantastic at the beginning because they had managed another property for me for over two years and done a fantastic job. The truth is something happened within that company. A lot of employees all left suddenly around the same time mm -hmm. and it was really rough. And so we had to let them go. And I had to let the same company go in another property as well. And it was really wow. tough. 
because yeah. we were listing the property for sale. So that's not the time that you want to let go of your property management company. But yeah. those are examples of the tough choices you have to make. And you have to go back to investors and say, hey, sorry, you know what? The times are tough. We have to let this company go. And uh, we're in a transition phase now. So the numbers aren't quite as great as they mm -hmm. used to be, right? You face the truth and you be transparent with investors. Yeah. And uh, the biggest thing, again, is to watch your numbers, right? It's if your property management company tells you something, you have to trust but verify it, mm -hmm. right? So once a month, you definitely want to do a financial audit. But in between, if they say, let's say somebody's moving in tomorrow, three tenants are moving in. Well, the day before, I walk the units. I right. make sure it's at a quality control level that we accept. We're not trying to turn these into palaces. But mm -hmm. at the same time, these residents are paying us a rent. Correct. That means they deserve a clean, comfortable, and safe place. Not so you personally walk the units? I walk the units That's as much awesome. as I can because I do not, especially with a new company, when they say right. the unit is ready. Like I saw like really shoddy paint jobs sometimes, right? And they're like, who walked this unit? Did the property manager walk the unit? I asked them. And then the days that I'm not able to go, I ask them to send a picture. But then right. between me and all my partners in every one of my deals, we visit every property every week. That's awesome. And That's so awesome. Me, yeah. The huge benefit I have is all my properties are less than a 30 minute drive. So technically I could visit half a dozen properties all in a day. And if all I have to do is, hey, I got to walk two units here, two units there, yeah. check the paint job here, check the sign job there. You know, these are all less than an hour long visit. That's even better scale around, right? And you're not even just talking about multifamily scaling. You're talking about scaling your time because yeah. now within one trip, you can cover most of your properties. That's right. Uh, so I have all my asset management calls on two days of the week. Mm -hmm. And then I have two other days where I'm free to visit the properties. Correct. So first thing in the morning, I've already decided which property do I need to visit this week and which of my partners is also going to be visiting. So sometimes Correct. we tag team and they'll awesome. see something and they'll say, I drove by. I didn't see this finished. Oh, but they said they would finish it. So then the next day I go and check yeah. on it and I show pictures. And, you know, pictures are very powerful. It's just data. You're not Correct. angry. You're not shouting. You're just showing the data. Yeah. Please send me a picture when this is completed of this exact whatever that is, right? this paint job at this corner so then it's just you know and it's all recorded we have everything in a google docs and stuff so it's right. great to have data i love that i love so that right have, yeah we have folders and files which show us which partner walked which unit on which day so you know there's, so, a, there's an interesting point that came across when i was thinking about this right when I, as i'm hearing your story one of the key things that i'm pretty sure i asked at some point too is that if I'm hiring a property manager, why am I paying asset management fee, right? So help, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I have busted that myth for me, mm -hmm. but I'd love, mm -hmm. love to hear your perspective on why are, the, why are the syndicators, which are the general partners, being paid asset management fees, even though the property management is doing day-to-day? -day? Help us understand that. So asset management is at a higher level where you're looking at the financials of the business, and a property manager doesn't care. It's like the government spending your money. It's mm -hmm. other people's money that they're spending. So they don't have the same sense of ownership that you do as an owner who is responsible for paying back your investors. Mm -hmm. So that's the most important thing. Also ask the general partner and owner, you're the one that's going to get sued or that's going to get city violations, anything. Right if something is wrong. So if some stairs, there's a step that's not properly done and it's fallen off, some railing has fallen off, there's been a recent storm and there's damage and yeah. there's leak, you are ultimately responsible for everything. So when you realize that, you know that an employee who's getting paid 50K to just be a leasing staff in your property is not going to have that same sense of yeah. ownership. So wh whether it's the 
personal visits to the property. It's the financial audits. It's executing the business plan, right? So let's just say you bought a brand new home that was built a year ago and you're just renting it out to a single tenant. Mm -hmm. I understand there's not much work for you to do. They're going to call some American Home Shield or whatever if there's a warranty (laughs) issue. So this is different, right? You're talking 200 doors, 150 doors. You're talking old properties in Mm -hmm. many cases. You're talking, you know, bringing them up to standards. For example, we had to have smoke detectors in every unit. Right. That's required by fire code and inspection. Well, guess what our uh, residents do whenever they're they're cooking away and all these smells trigger the smoke alarm. They just take it off. (laughs) There I go. That's an expense. That's also a violation. So the next time the city comes around, they give me a ticket. Like, Why is there no smoke? And we're like, look, this is what we found. And so that relationship management. Right. So an employee who's just taking care of day to day operations like leases or maintenance work orders is not going to do that level of scrutiny. So it's the ultimate risk. You're also responsible to the lender in making sure all of these things are happening at the Mm -hmm. right time. The lender inspection, the insurance inspection, the audits, uh, once a year, they come back and check your property. So every time some construction job is done, uh, you have to make sure the QC is done and meet with those inspectors. So there's a lot of little details that go into asset management. But when it's an older property in particular, right, you're executing a business plan, you're force appreciating the value of this asset. So it might be an interior upgrade, might be an extensive, you know, addition of units, renovation of major down units from a fire or something, right? are to be renovated. You're taking care of exterior paint. There's so many different things to do, like parking lot repairs. So you have to make sure all of that coordinating at a high level, like project management has to happen. Even if each individual piece does their own part, someone has to integrate it all together and make sure you know, A talks to B and everything is coordinated. Yeah. A lot of our work goes into that asset management. I agree. Sorry, go ahead. And the asset management fee is very tiny. If you look at your financials every month, it might be a few hundred dollars. Sometimes it's a thousand dollars. You're not talking fifty k, you know, ten k a month to an asset manager. No, no, so no. I, I agree. Really, I completely. It's come from the general partner split, especially at the time of sale of a property. Yeah. Sometimes I actually think asset managers don't get paid enough. Uh, that's but that's right. a different. That's a different conversation. Yeah. If you think <laughs> of the hours we spend as asset managers, no. You it's it's a hard enough. job, right? So yeah, as I, you know, as I, I, I always tell my investors imagine uh, and we'll take a very different example um apple right tim cook you need a tim cook to make sure the company runs well right yep just because they're employees just because somebody else just because you have a cfo and coo and everyone else you still need a ceo and really the asset management team and i call it as a team because it's a team team of asset managers they are the ceos of that business and if you don't have them and if you don't pay them, they have no interest in making that business successful, right? So and we, the pay is very low. Pay is very low, correct. So the I think most it's set up. asset is like thousand bucks, right? Correct. And that actually translates to you know a lot of my friends always tell me like, why don't we just buy our own apartment? Um, Please do. Well, I'm like you can. And because rent- you have to realize the amount of work involved in yes. running a 200 door apartment. Yes. It's different from buying a brand new single exactly. unit or a exactly. duplex that was just built last year. Whole yeah. different ballgame. Correct, correct. So, Sundia, talk to us about, we talked about value add, right? So, um, mm-hmm. is value add possible everywhere? How do you select the value add, right? Because you can add value in a lot of different ways. What is your criteria when you're looking at value adds? So having screened first the market, location, median household income, and low crime, and all of that, 
First, it had to pass that screening test. Sure. Value add is when the rents are substantially below the market rents. That means if I look within a one mile radius of similar comparable properties of the same vintage with very similar amenities yep. and the rent of this subject property is at least a couple of hundred bucks below the next adjacent property, then I think there is room there. If it's only within $50 of the adjacent property's rent and mm -hmm. there's not any new things I can do and this property is not superior in some way to all of its surrounding properties, then I don't know how I can force appreciate that value because yeah. you've got to be reasonable about your rent bumps, right? It's got to be things that residents are willing to pay for. So for example, in one of the in properties that you invested in, they had washer dryer connections, but no actual washers and right. dryers. Correct. So if I add a washer and dryer to that unit, that's such a convenience that asking a resident to pay between $35 to $50 a month is a no-brainer. Right. Just the hassle of carrying their laundry to a laundry center in the property or driving right. it somewhere else is such a hassle. Imagine Texas in the summer and your unit is upstairs and you've got your mom with two young kids. That's I mean, true. That's the number true. of laundry loads you got to do is, yeah. is painful. And each laundry dollar is going to cost you at least $3. So, right. you know, those are no brainer kind of value adds, right? And similarly, if you can offer your TV, internet, Wi-Fi, any of those packages mm -hmm. at a lower cost because of your bundling, um, than what they would directly pay to a provider, you know, you're adding value to them and they're willing to pay for that. So that's right. another easy one, right? 30 to $50 you could make on that. So mm -hmm. right there, you've got $100 of uh, value from doing simple things that anyone is willing to pay for. And you're not right. even touched the surface in terms of interior upgrades. Now, people think, okay, no one can afford the rent. Why are you increasing the rents? I have so many people lining up to our property managers and saying, can I stay in one of those nicer, newer apartments? I don't right. mind paying the extra hundred bucks because this is their home. That's what people forget is Correct. when it's Christmas, Thanksgiving, anything, this is the home where they're going to have their whole family over. This right. is where they're going to have their gatherings. So if it looks nicer, the flooring is new, the paint is new, the appliances are shiny and the bathroom is nicely updated they are willing to pay that extra amount for it. So you right. want to make sure there's a true value add available because you have done a thorough comparative study of all the properties around it. And I love that. I think it's it's value add with a financial mm -hmm. return at the end, right? Because you could mm -hmm. add value by mm -hmm. just painting the room a certain way. But if you're not going to be able to in mm -hmm. a, add value to the people who are living there, that's always a that's always a key goal. I know yours. Mm -hmm. It's important to you. But the second yep. part is if you can't increase the rent through that value mm -hmm. add, you'd have Correct. to think multiple times: is it worth doing mm -hmm. it? Right. Yeah. What is the ROI, right? So some other ways to value add is to decrease your expenses. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my properties are all bills paid. So if I can do an LED upgrade and reduce my electricity cost per month, that's a very good value add. Mm -hmm. The second one is water conservation. If you have lower right. flows, toilets, shower heads, aerators, and uh, you have some leak detection system there, you'd be surprised how much you can save. So those two are huge for us in terms of reducing expenses. What are the ways can you cut your expenses? Utility contracts is one yep. thing, other energy efficient uh, ways. And then in terms of property management itself, the more things you can do in-house with your own make-ready staff instead mm -hmm. of contracting out everything, uh, you'll save money. So uh, yeah. finding a property management company that has properties nearby helps us out because if our maintenance is out or if we need some extra help, we can just charge those folks hours whenever they come to our property right. to help. So we don't need to have everybody to be an AC qualified tech, right? right. We could instead right. Right. have, you know, maybe a porter to help as a second person in the property. Got it. Got it. No, something I love that. So help me understand, you know, I think 
you and i know there are different classes within the mm-hmm. within the apartments right a common question would at that point be you know a building was done a luxury apartment was done yesterday can mm-hmm. you add can you do a value add there why don't we buy those give us your perspective so those, on that those are class a apartments and the easiest way to value add on something that new is in the lease up stage so maybe it's only 80% full so you still got 20% of the apartments waiting to lease that's a good time to acquire it and the other thing is when they do new leases oftentimes they give them one free month's rent sure. so you will get that full 12 months of rent when you lease those again when those renewals come up so but there's less opportunities for value add you just basically right. um hitting the point with other owners either left it for us or they correct. can do it but there's not a whole lot of value out there correct it just goes into more of the higher class of amenities correct. and service correct. so package lockers or you know trash uh, some LA trashes features. that's yeah. right so you you can add more features usually the cable internet package also gets you some benefits true true but you've got to make sure you're comparable to the properties nearby because you've got to have just as nice amenities to be able to charge yeah. that Awesome. Sunday well, um, you know, you and I can talk forever. Uh-huh. I know you love talking. I know I love talking and I hear I love hearing to you. Share great insights with the audience and me. Where can they find you? Right? If somebody wants to connect with you more and learn more about what you do, have a deal that you want to invest in, hopefully that that connection can happen there too. So how, where do they find you? LinkedIn is their best platform to reach out and find me. I post a lot of content on a regular basis there and it's a great professional network so they can already get to know me by reading my content and seeing if they like how I operate. And we will include your LinkedIn profile because I'm pretty sure there's no while there's only one Sandhya Sashadri, a lot of people have your names as well. So yeah. we'll make sure we will include the link below. So Sandhya, what is going on right now for you uh in terms of multifamily? are you acquiring are you managing with the with the way the market is right now what is your state of mind and how are you dealing with that all of the above i'm still acquiring and managing properties the biggest thing is to make sure you still have plenty of room to value add on a property so it's like a needle in a haystack so you recognize it so for example a property that was listed i know recently for over 27 million dollars we're mm-hmm. getting it at a pretty good discount from that price and so i always look for that compared to the beginning of the year to today which is yeah. uh, basically almost in september 2022 uh, there's a big discount because some deals are not able to function quite as well or the owners are done with it and they just want to sell it right right and so today it's a discounted price from the beginning of the year so that's number 1 and number 2 is it's still in dallas which is a phenomenal market and in an mm-hmm. area where i already own other properties that's too um as far as finding value add just like what i described earlier if you're yeah. finding properties that still make sense the big one is from a financing standpoint because the fed is going to increase interest rates again is mm-hmm. i'm not doing any kind of a floating rate debt and agencies are back in a big way so my last two deals are both freddie mac fixed rate loans yeah. and i love it i'm getting better and better leverage on them one of them was 65% and this one is 71% possibly going up to 73% 73% agency loan That's agency freddie mac That's fixed amazing. rate loan That's but remember that with freddie mac you've got to fund all of your rehab costs, capex so. is you have to raise that capex right. correct versus exactly. a bridge loan or a fanny might give you that money so you've got to raise right. that on your own and the fun side of that is well if 3 months into acquisition you change your mind about a project you don't mm. have to get all the lender permission Agreed. and all that hoopla to get reimbursed for it so Agreed. it's a blessing and a, a bit of a curse depending on how you look at it yeah, but well, for yeah, all agency loans and fixed rate debt all the way but the big one to remember with agency loans is don't go for a yield maintenance penalty that's very expensive mm. make sure it's a step down and you figure out your exit plan if you think mm. you're going to exit in 3 to 5 years make sure your loan accordingly fits correct. that correct 
Well, there's so many valuable insights in there, Sandhya. In that last question, you threw a lot. I'll probably just do a summary video just to describe what Sandhya said in the last two minutes here. Again, thank you. Thank you for spending the time here, right? So I think we're coming towards the end of the show here. So one question that I ask everyone is, I won't say 20 or 10 because I don't know how old you are. And man, I don't want you to share that either. So you're younger. So when you were 19 or 20 years old, knowing what you know now, Um, what would some life insights would you give that, again, going back to our purpose of this show is migration, right? Intentional migration. So that your younger self could ease or look forward to their migration journey in the in future. What would that insight be? Continue to be unstoppable is what I would tell my 20-year-old self. Love that. And uh, you are magnificent already. So don't listen to any negative voices from other people. Surround yourself with people who pull you up. Don't waste another minute with anyone who is not fully up and supporting you. Love that. Love that. I think I'll just add one more thing maybe to yourself is more don't listen to the negative self from others, but from you too, right? Because yes. I think yes. at times Very we important. bring ourselves down more mm-hmm. than other people. We give permissions to ourselves. We're hard on ourselves. And that I kind of brings that- you down. For me, when I was 20, I truly believed that people older than me just knew better and they didn't. And yeah. I discovered that through life. And I was like, I was pretty great. And if you look at history, if you look at George Washington or any other heroes in your life, they were very young when they did the things they did. So, you know, Correct. just because you're 20 doesn't mean you don't know anything, you know? I agree. And I actually year old can learn from you. And I learned so much from my children who are obviously decades younger than me. Yeah, well, my children think that I'm dumb, so that's okay. Uh, so. <laughs> well, usually some of us might be a little dumb compared to our children, but boy, we yeah. certainly think it's, uh, it's both ways. I think it is, it is. in a 360 kind of way, younger than you, older than you, your peers, yeah. there's so much to learn. No, I love that. I love that answer. So, Sandhya, last question of the show here, right? So, we're, we talked about you and I, we talked about our investors, we talked about being individual contributor, growth for individual. So, let's take it a higher level here, right? So, What is your one wish for humanity to intentionally migrate towards? To intentionally migrate towards less war and less argument and more overlap because we have so much in common. It doesn't matter whether you favor one party over the other. Every life can be about finding what we have in common. You're never going to like 100% of somebody else. You just take the best in each person and move on. Correct. I love that. On that unification note, Sandeep Sashadri, thank you again for coming to our show and sharing your amazing insights. I am your biggest fan. You hopefully you know that. Thank you again for being on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you very very much. I'm so thrilled for you. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.